The title of my message, I had two titles. Uh, if you, whenever we read the scripture, perhaps you'll understand why. The f- What's that? Wake up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wake up. Anybody have one of those wake up mornings? So. But there was two, sleep on or wake up, you know. And so the challenge is for us that we need to be awake. You know, there are times that we shouldn't sleep, you know. You shouldn't sleep while you're driving. You shouldn't sleep in a sermon. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's a joke. Uh, um, if you're on guard duty, you know, it's, uh, in a military plant or in the, uh, in the prison or whatever, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't be going to sleep. But we know that, I, I think of it this way, if you sleep during the right time, you should be awake during the right time. So uh, how do we wake up? And uh, how do we stay awake? Or how are we able to... Um, look at this and say it isn't so much that we have our eyes open it's that we have our understanding open and that uh, we see that we are looking at our life and sometimes it's going in such a hurry you know can't believe that this is going to be November you know one more well one more Sunday and then we hit into November and the first Sunday in November first Sunday in November we turn our clocks back so, still got a couple weeks. Don't do it next week. But um, we have that time in which we turn our, our clocks back. But, you know, whenever we're waking up, how many use an alarm? <laughs> how many just have your own alarm in your head? <laughs> I don't know, say. So, I'm, I'm, most of the time, I, I wake up before the alarm and I shut it off, you know. And I don't go back to sleep either. <laughs> but I, I wake up and, uh, you know, whatever the time is, and I, I get up and, you know, start the morning. And very seldom do I have the alarm. But I always set it because if I didn't set it, I would worry all night that I would sleep through it, you know. Uh, so I, I almost always have an alarm set, but uh, most of the time I wake up before it. And um, so as we're thinking about this whole idea of being awake and, uh, you know, not sleeping, we, we need to know that there is, know that there's a plan and know that there's a purpose. And the scriptures that we have today are in Matthew 26. And this is the time in which Jesus is going to the garden or in the garden of Gethsemane. And we find that if you, if you watch the, the movie, uh, the, is it the King of, what is it, the, the new one that's out in the last few years? It's not King of Kings, um, anyhow. I forget the title, which is, it's in Hebrew or Aramaic, and it's interpreted on the bottom, and, you know, it goes through the, anyhow, that version <laughs> of, of, uh, of Christ and his life. One of the things that is um, compelling in that story is... Um, how that Jesus is seen in the garden and how that the snake crawls out, you know, out around there and, you know, you don't see him doing it, but he steps on its head, you know. And the scriptures talk about how that Jesus will crush the head of Satan, but yet his heel will be bruised. And the the understanding is that God has conquered sin, he has conquered death, hell, and the grave, but it costs him. It cost him coming to be our Messiah, giving up his divinity to come and be our sacrifice so that our sins could be forgiven. Well, 
When Jesus is talking to the disciples in in verse 31, he told them, before the night's over, you're going to fall to pieces because of what's going to happen to me. Now, it's to the disciples, they are on a different page. (laughs) They are on a different page of all of these things. Jesus is telling them that he's going to die. They have gone through the Last Supper, that uh, they've, you know, gone through the meal, and, you know, Jesus says, this is my broken body, this is my blood. And, you know, he does all of these, and then he tells them some more that, that you're, you're going to fall to pieces because of, because of what happens to me. And I think in, in our life, sometimes we think God doesn't know what's happening to us. <laughs> Sometimes we are at this place where everything seems to fall apart and we're, we're under the assumption that God is not aware. And when the greatest challenge to our faith happens, it happens whenever we think God doesn't know what's going to happen. God isn't here and my life has seemingly fallen apart. And Jesus quotes the scripture, I'll strike the shepherd, um, helter, skelter, the sheep will be scattered. So what happens is that whenever you take away the leader, the sheep flee. The sheep have no sense of direction. And so whatever you look for in our life, whenever we're looking for things to all fit into place, uh, that's whenever we are more apt to, I think, um, find ourselves at a loss. Because we want things to happen on a program we like, we like our, our, you know, if you watch television, you like things to be solved in a half hour to an hour because that's all the attention span we got. And in the middle of it, we've got uh, commercials <laughs> promoting everything that we can imagine so that we will look good, feel good, and be better than what we are. All you have to do is buy this stuff. So all that's, all that's in that hour session that we have before the TV. So what you look for, you will find. And uh, we find that... Uh, <laughs> Whenever we, sometimes what we look for is taking us in the wrong direction. So God wants us to pay attention to our heart. God wants us, you know, we've seen in church, this, in Sunday school this morning, that um, your attitude, you know, we, you know, last week we said where you are, you got here by your thoughts. You know, you came, you thought about this before you actually arrived here. And our life is full of thoughts. Now, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So, and a little further, we go on in that. The scripture says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, but rightly divides the word of truth. So whenever we are studying the scripture, we are studying it with an understanding that it needs to arrive at in our heart. It's not something that's just in our head. It is something that arrives in our heart. And out of our heart, we think we feel, you know, we have these emotions. And so we have these feelings. We have these thoughts. And if we can control our thoughts, we can control our feelings. <laughs> Discussed that last week. So our relationship with God is a combination of our thoughts and, upon, and our relationship. We sung about we are a friend of Jesus. We are a friend of God. And God is a friend of ours. And we, we see these things coming to pass. But when Jesus is now putting this in this perspective with the, the disciples, Jesus has something that he is expecting from his disciples. He's expecting something of them. 
He says, um, but after I'm raised up, I, your shepherd, will go ahead of you, lead you, uh, leading the, the way to Galilee. So God has a plan through this whole purpose, you know, through this whole evening, through what is going to take place, God has a plan. You know, the 23rd Psalm is one of my favorite, and uh, the part that I often speak about is that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. Now, one of the understandings is that we are walking through the valley. It is not a place where we build our house. <laughs> through the valley of the shadow of change and transition, it is not where we live, it is where we pass through. And Jesus is basically telling the disciples, you're going to go through this valley, this valley uh, that is before us, and you're going to be um, scattered. You're going to feel like you're being scattered, and your life is going to fall to pieces. But I want you to know at the other end, I'm going to lead you to Galilee. <laughs> so uh, you're going to arrive at the um, green pastures, the other side of the valley of the shadow. So this, this scenario is put in place here so that whenever we are going through difficult times, whenever we are experiencing loss or change, um, things that we don't really like, uh, whenever we're going through these things, God has a plan. God has a purpose, and if we can focus on the plan and the purpose, we don't get focused on the events and the feelings. And so we're challenged to put our faith in Christ to know that he is going to see us through. Now, if we're going to change, and life has to change, whether we like it or not, we're all going to change. Uh, we're changing either for the better or for the worse, you know. We are continuing to grow, and sometimes we wonder which way is up. <laughs> but the challenge is that in our faith, God is going to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of change. So whenever we're in this process, we must believe and know that God is with us, that I am not alone in this, and that God will walk me through this, and at the end, he's going to be there to lead us, into, lead us to Galilee. So, of course, I always like <clears throat> individuals who have everything under control, you know? Whenever you talk about loss and you know, difficulties, there's always someone in the crowd that says, I know exactly what that's like. I've never been there, but I know the way. <laughs> Peter does that here. He says, Peter broke in. So Peter interrupts Jesus. You should know better. <laughs> when God is talking, be still. <laughs> you know? So Peter broke in. Hey, uh, oh, Jesus, I don't care what these other losers are going to happen, but not me. I'm not going to fall apart. You know, even if everyone else fails to, uh, falls to pieces on account of you, I won't do that. Now, we are to be people of faith, and we are to be faith, we are to be people of confident, confident in God and confident in his plan and purpose, but sometimes we uh, excel in underconfidence, and sometimes we excel in overconfidence, and I think the balance is that we find strength in God to take our next step. And so um, Peter says, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to fail you. And, and Jesus kind of comes back and says, Peter, uh, don't be so sure. <laughs> now, Peter was this brawly, you know, brawling uh, fighter, fisherman, 
you know, he was, he was not this, you know, meek, mild person. <laughs> he is, he's a forthright individual who probably uh, commanded respect on the docks <laughs> at the Sea of Galilee because if you didn't, he would, you know, knock you off your boat or something like that. Well, Jesus tells Peter, don't be so sure of yourself in that, rem- in that regard because Peter thinks that no matter what happens, I got my sword here and I'll defend him to the death. Peter had, an under- Peter had a concept of how things were going to play out. You know, he's one of the guards that keeps the people at a distance from Jesus. He's one of the secret, secret service guys who talk into their sleeve, <laughs> got the earbud in their ear, and they're always looking around, you know. Well, that's Peter talking into his robe and got his trusty sword at his side, and he's going to die for Jesus. And so he has this all planned out. He knows that he can fight, and he knows that he can die, and he's not going to let anybody take Jesus alive. <laughs> you see, Peter had it figured out. But what we find is Jesus would not let Peter die by the sword. He was going to let Peter be changed. And this is what I think whenever we're reading this this. Uh, section of scripture we we see this time in the garden um in my in my book i i write about how that god is aware how that god is aware of every place in our life and especially in the places where there's a lot of pain and sorrow where we are at our very bottom of emotional life because of death, pain, um, change, whatever goes on. We're at the very bottom of life and we, you know, grappling with whether or not we're going to live or die. And Jesus knows what that is like because this is where he encounters that, where there is a wrestling between the physical Jesus and the spiritual, the, the man of God, the, the God of man and God, you know, what's the word? But anyhow, he's a man and he is God. And so the two of them are at war in this, at this place because the spiritual Jesus knows that's why he came in the first place. The divine part of him knows that he was born for this moment. And this moment is not Jesus being afraid of physical torture and physical death. Jesus is being crushed. Gethsemane. Jesus is being crushed by the load of sin. (laughs) He is being crushed by the sin of mankind. Every sin, every wrongdoing that is ever committed, ever will be committed, is laid upon the sacrifice. And it is a crushing experience to him. And you know it is such because he, we see him in, talking about in, in other, other scriptures where he sweats great drops of blood. So Gethsemane is a, a press. If you were uh, in a, you know, we, we sometimes now uh, with uh, the fall we have uh, apples and we make apple cider. How do you make apple cider? <laughs> you throw it in the press and you, twist, you keep twisting the, the thing and it squeezes out all the juice. Well, that's Gethsemane the place of the press. And that Jesus is being 
crushed to the point that when he is sweating, it is blood coming out of his pores. You see, this is where Jesus defeats the cross. This is where Jesus knows that if he just gets up and walks around the hill, they'll never find him. They won't find him. If he can get out of this moment, and so he prays for that. He prays for his disciples that, that they would be with him and that even though they are going to go through this pressing experience, uh, Peter says, I'm not gonna, I won't deny you. Peter protests in verse 35, even if I have to die with you, I would never deny you. And then all the others chimed in and said, yes, yes, we're with Peter, we'll die. We'll go and fight and kill and, you know, we'll take as many of them as we can with us. <laughs> and Jesus just said, let's go to the garden. He went to the garden called Gethsemane, and he tells, most, he tells the disciples, stay here while I go over there and pray. And taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into an agonizing sorrow. This is the press. <laughs> you know, when I was in Jerusalem, I was, I was uh, uh, kind of taken back by the smallness of this area. You know, it's at the, it's at the head of the valley. You know, Jerusalem's up on the, on the mountain, up on the side of the hill. And there's a, a valley, a ravine that deepens as it goes down. And, but at the top of the ravine, you're just kind of like uh, ground level with the wall. And Gethsemane, there are, there are olive trees there that they believe were still there when Jesus was in the garden. And that just a few yards away, there's a church, but inside the church, there is this stone that is kind of out of the ground. And they assume that this is the place where Jesus prayed. Now, it is the garden where Jesus prayed. And it is a very good possibility that this stone was the very stone that Jesus knelt beside and prayed. But, and it's just not that far. That's what was challenging to, to me, was that it wasn't that far. And to move away, you know, the guards who come to take Jesus would have come, you could have seen them coming. <laughs> They'd all had their torches and they're marching out of the walled city and they're, you know, it isn't like they're over the hill somewhere. They're just down by Riverside, you know, coming out of the, coming out of the walls of Jerusalem and falling around the, the, the valley of the ravine and coming right into the garden and being from here to Riverside might be further than what we're talking about. And so it's not a great distance, it's just a little way. And there is this garden, and there is this rock, and it's nighttime, there's no night lights. <laughs> and uh, Jesus is going a little further to be alone, and he prays. This sorrow is crushing my life out. The sorrow of, of God for the sin of humanity. You see, if we could see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus, if we could see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus, we would be shocked at how much he loves us. How much that 
all the things we think are, are wrong with our life and that we are caught up in, you know, he doesn't see that at all. He doesn't even notice it. He doesn't notice all of the flaws, sins, mistakes. He doesn't see them. He sees you. He sees the person he created. You know, you look at your children, and, you know, we, wow, look what they've become when we look at that. But, you know, if we just look at them, that this child, this little baby we held at one point, now they're grown and have children of their own. But the innocence of what that child is at the beginning not all of the things that have happened, good and bad and all that. We would look at them and see the innocence of that person that was held, we held in our arms. That's how Jesus sees us right now. He sees us in that place where this is, this is who I created you to be. And your faults and failures, just put them aside. I want you to know that I am here in this garden for you. I am here going through this crushing sorrow. <laughs> and he tells his disciples, stay here and pray for me. Pray for me. And he goes ahead a little further and he falls on his face praying, my father, if there is any way, get me out of this. He prays, God, there's, you know, please, if there's any other way. See, yeah. Sometimes in our life, there is no other way than on the way that we're on. We would pray, like, like maybe like Paul, God, I got this thorn in the flesh, you need to get rid of it because it's, it's, you know, it's hurting me and it's holding me back. <laughs> and, and God tells Paul, you know, my, my grace is sufficient, just keep going. <laughs> well, in our life, that the, if there's another way, sometimes we pray, God, there's got to be another way the way of sorrow, the way of transition, the way of going through the valley of the shadow of death. But you see, there, there is no other way. We've got to go through there, but we don't live there. Jesus isn't living in the garden. He's transitioning through the garden to the cross. Through the garden to the cross to the tomb. Through the garden to the cross to the tomb to resurrection. And going ahead of the disciples into Galilee. You see, there's more to life than the garden. There's more to life than the crushing experiences. And, and we've got to see that God is looking at us through his eyes, and his eyes are seeing us, and that the, the mistakes and the failures of, of our life, he's taking upon himself here in the garden. Because all of those flaws and all of those sins, he, has, he is receiving them upon himself, and they are crushing him. And whenever he looks at you, he doesn't see those faults he carried them with him he took care of them here and at the cross and he doesn't see them <laughs> they're not between you and him he sees you complete the faults and flaws gone away because he took them upon himself and he said, if there is another way, can there be another way? And there is no other way. 
So he is there in the garden taking all of our faults and flaws and sins and mistakes and failures, the willful and intentional and the unintentional. He's taking them all upon himself and it's crushing him. (laughs) You know, sometimes whenever we bring up what God has forgiven us of, we're reminding him of this crushing load that he took upon himself. And it's been removed. Why do we keep bringing it up? God, let me remind you. you ever, have you ever have a friendship? You know, some, a friend who comes along and you have some mistake that was made, you know, 20 years ago. And the first thing you tell your friend is, you remember whenever I, whenever I, I, I did that mistake and I, I cheated you or I hit you or I lied about you? Do you remember that? It's 20 years ago. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. I forgave you. But I just wanted you to remember that. And the next time we see them, I want you to remember that 20 years ago. (laughs) And God is saying, I did this here 2,000 years ago. Forget it. It's gone. When he came back to his disciples, he found them sound asleep. (laughs) You know, there are some people in our life we need to let sleep. You know, there's some people we need to let sleep. Because no matter how much we try to wake them up, they just don't get it. (laughs) Say amen. You said that very enthusiastically. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to wake them up. Ha ha. You know, I'm going to get them up whether they want to or not. Show that picture again while all the kids are jumping on the guy. You know, I'm getting them up whether they know it or not. All right, you don't have to show up anyhow. (laughs) <laughs> and, and Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you know, you said you weren't, can't you even stick with me an hour? Can't you even stay alert? <laughs> Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation. What is Jesus worried about? He's being crushed by the load of sin, and he's wanting Peter to know, stay awake, stay alert, because you're going to have a great sifting coming on in just a few hours and you need to be prepared for it. But he can't stay awake long enough. <laughs> the, the one translation says, but there's another part, you know, with, um, without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, and, but there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. <laughs> you know there's a part of you that's ready god and i can conquer the world and then there's a part that's just like a lazy dog laying by the fire you can't get out the door you know you gotta go to the bathroom but i don't want to go outside (laughs) you know they want me to go outside but i don't want to go outside it's raining it's cold you know this lazy dog so he left him a second time and again he prayed my father if there is no other way than this drinking this cup to the dredges. I'm ready. When he came back again, he found them sound asleep the third time here. They simply couldn't keep their eyes open. This time he let them sleep on. You see, sometimes we need to let people sleep on and sometimes we need to wake up. You know, wake up and smell the roses. Wake up and know that your life is in your hands and the day you have is a gift from God and to let this day slip by without making a difference 
in your own life and in somebody else's life by words of encouragement. Not, you know, not kicking them out of the boat, but letting them know there's a rescue plan, that God is in charge and God loves you. And remember this, that the steps of, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and you are walking in the steps that God ordained for you. So therefore, wake up. This is exactly where you're supposed to be. So God help me to do exactly what I'm supposed to do. And when he came back the third time to pray, going over the same ground one last time. Did you ever pray for something more than once? And that's okay. Three times Jesus went went to that rock or to that place where he cried out to his father, is there any other way? You see, this is the place where Jesus defeated the cross. This is the place, and this place of agony and distress is where we prepare for our tomorrows. And that even though there are agony, even though there are distresses, even though there are complications, even though there there is still an element of faith that God is in charge and I have come to do the will of my Father and this is the reason that I am here. And he goes to his disciples and wake up. The hour has come. The betrayers are here. It's time to go to the cross. (laughs) What a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. And he says, you're my friend. (laughs) He says to us, we're his friend. So let us, (laughs) let us see ourselves through his eyes. That we would open our understanding to be conscious of his thoughts and his purpose. Not be blinded by the circumstances and blinded what we think should happen. That's the disciples. And the disciples had to go through this garden, had to go through the the crucifixion of Jesus and his death. They had to go through all of this to wake up on the other side. And I pray that as we go through everyday life, God help me to have my eyes open as to what is needed in my life so that I don't need to experience what the disciples did in seemingly the total abandonment and the failure of my faith where the disciples felt that Jesus would be the Messiah that would rule on the throne. And all those things came crushing, crashing down and crushed at his death. Only to have the resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit to give them a whole new enlightenment about what life is. So here we are, 2,000 years from the cross, 2,000 years from that experience that Jesus and the disciples went through. And here we are in this moment of time and we're asking God, open our eyes that we can see you, open our hearts that we can be receptive to you, Helping our, our spirit that we can be alive in you, not only in the difficulty times and not only in the great times, but in every step of the way we know that you are there and we are your friend and we are there for a purpose. 
And the last scripture that I have is 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11. God didn't set us up for an angry rejection. But he set us up. He set this all in motion for salvation. <laughs> he didn't put all of this together, all of our life and all of the circumstances, and all of the interchanges and people and personalities and conflicts and successes. He put it all together for one purpose, for salvation, never for rejection. He died for us, a death that triggered life. He died for us. It was a death that triggered life. Never has there been a life like his. Never has there been a death that triggered life. Because I live, you shall live also. <laughs> and here we are. The lifeblood of Christ flowing in our, in our hearts. The greatness of his spirit poured out upon us the blood of Christ that cleanses us from sin, washes over our spirits and our life, and we stand in his presence, not crushed, but uplifted. We are his now and for eternity, and nothing, nothing, living or dead, present or past or future, can ever separate us from him. Amen? Let's stand. <laughs> that verse in 1 Thessalonians goes on to say, So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you will be, you will be together in this. <laughs> so speak encouraging words to one another. Encourage us. Encourage one another in your faith. Be encouragers, because there is life in Christ. There is life in us. There is life beyond the, the valleys of change. There is life in Christ. He didn't set us up for rejection. He set us up for salvation. Jesus, thank you for hearing our prayers, and thank you for knowing our lives, and thank you, O oh God, for blessing us beyond our understanding. That, God, that you were crushed for our sin you are crucified that we might live and that God you rose from the dead that the same spirit that rose that brought you back from the dead is the same spirit that is in us amen, amen. God bless you <laughs>